Hey there, and welcome to this brand new episode of On Your Terms. I'm Sam Vanderbilt, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. And I can't wait because in t- about two weeks after you listen to this, I've got something new coming for you that is totally free, something that was highly requested when I asked about it a couple of weeks ago. So I can't wait to, to share the news with you, but keep your eyes peeled for right after Thanksgiving. I'm going to have something brand new and free for you that will help you to legally protect your online business. Also, can we just talk about the fact that it is almost Thanksgiving by the time that you will listen to this episode. And in a couple of days here from when I'm recording this, I actually start getting started. I get ready for Thanksgiving. I'm obsessed with cooking. That's all I want to do or think about or talk about. It's pretty much all I do in my free time. So starting around November 1st, I'm like hardcore. I'm like looking at all the recipes and getting everything together, menu planning. Like I start testing things out. I just love it. So I'm just really excited that that time of year is almost here. Um, You'll also be listening to this episode right before Black Friday. And I just wanted to say something really quickly about Black Friday sales. I feel like I make this like disclaimer announcement every year and I just want to share it again. So I have been in business now for like five years and I've never run a Black Friday sale. And Part, part of that is related to what I just shared with you, that the Thanksgiving time, like the holiday, which is my favorite holiday just because it's about food and spending time together and not, not anything to do with any of the other significance around Thanksgiving. But, but because of that, I really like to slow down and be cozy and spend time with my family, um, take like long walks, log off of social media. That's so much more important to me. And could I automate something and set up sales or something like that? Sure. But I, I don't, I don't do that. I don't really do like big discounts and promos and all of these kinds of things. Anyway, um, I, I like to keep things really simple and evergreen. And I guess I just wanted to share that as, um, permission almost that it's okay if you don't want to participate in some of these things that you see in online business. Like if you see other people doing it and then that makes you feel like you're missing out, you know, I'm just here to tell you that it's it's totally okay. And I hope to serve as an example of somebody who's never done that and who has done just fine in my online business. So I would rather just like be offline and keep my cozy sanity around that time of the year. But um, yeah, I, I, it's nothing against Black Friday sales. If people want to run them, cool. It's just like also okay to not do that. <laughs> so I just, I wanted to let you know. So I am so excited to share today's episode with you. Um, first of all, I can't believe it's episode 17. Time time flies when you're having fun. I've actually been really enjoying doing this podcast. I hope you've been enjoying it too. You can. It's so helpful to me when you guys reach out and let me know that you've been listening or like what your takeaways were or, you know, that the show has impacted you in some way. Cause like, you know, a lot of times you can just feel like you're putting stuff out there and you're like, are people liking this? But I love it when you guys reach out and you tell me you've been listening, um, and, and what you've been implementing from the episodes. I'm just like, so impressed always. But in today's episode, we're talking about what you have to do in order to have specifically an online business. Because the point of today's episode is to not only for me to drive home the point that online businesses are not immune from a lot of the rules that people think that they're immune to, but there are also certain things that are really specific to having a more of an online presence, right? Doing more of our marketing through social media, or through our websites or building email lists and like things that we are doing more often that we want to make sure we have legally protected. So in today's episode, I talk with you about things like scope of practice and legally protecting your website and getting client contracts set up, even like what kind of contracts you need to use at checkout if you sell courses and programs. We talk 
business insurance. We talk registering your business. And finally, I teach you at the end about taking payments from clients, how to take, how to get it. So how to get it set up properly so that you're taking money directly from the client to your business bank account the right way and into your pocket legally. Um, so we go over all of that today. I'm really excited for this episode. I hope you like it too. And as always, once you listen, go over, send me a DM on Instagram at Sam Vanderweelen. Let me know what you thought. And if you haven't already, subscribe, follow, like, share, do all the things. Um, I really appreciate it. All right. With that, let's get into it. So for some reason, somewhere along the way, people started to think that having an online business was somehow really different than having any other kind of business. And it's always been funny to me on the other side of things, on the legal side of things, thinking like, so we have a whole bunch of people running around being like, I want to be taken seriously and I have a real business and there are like memes about it and reels about it and all kinds of things. But then people don't do the things that real businesses have to do. So today we're going to talk about not only what any business needs to do, but six things specifically that online businesses need to do to be legitimate businesses, to be safe, to be run the right way, um, to be protected for you, to be protected as the business owner and everything in between. And I want to make it really clear today that online businesses are not immune from having to do things that normal businesses would have to do to get set up, to follow the rules, to be protected, to pay taxes (laughs) or anything else. And, you know, it is easier, of course, in a way, there are parts of starting an online business that are easier than it would be if we had to start a bakery, for example. You're going to hear me use bakery as an example a lot today, but probably because it's like my my dream business. <laughs> but otherwise, it's it's easier because, you know, we don't have to buy a physical space and our operating expenses can be much lower. And we also don't have to get like a whole lot of product. And, you know, if you have a bakery, you're probably going to have to start out with employees. You can't really wait until the the bakery is further along. You're going to need help, you know, and there are all kinds of things that come along with like having a physical business, like, you know, having to get approved by the township and get CO'd and like get um, approvals and permits and all health inspectors and all kinds of things, right? There are so many more layers of, of things to do. So in a way, of course, starting an online business is easier in that sense, right? Low startup costs. You can start one today. You know, you can work from home. You don't need to have a physical space for most online businesses. So there there are a lot of things that make it easier. But for some reason, this is like veered, like hard, right? And people act like it means that there's nothing that you have to do, right? And that's not the case. Like most things in life, it is not so black and white. Yes, you don't have a bakery. And so you don't have to go through all the hoops that they might have to go through, but there are still some hoops that you got to go through. And that's what we're going to cover today. I also know that there's not a lot of information online, at least not a lot of good information online about how to legally start an online business. So it not just a business that operates online, because nowadays every single business operates online, right? But a business that only operates online or primarily operates online and performs virtual services like coaching and consulting and digital services like copywriting and web design and graphic design. So there are a lot of ways that you need to legally protect and start and form that kind of business. And that's what we're going to go over today. So some of the things that I hear about so often are like, I don't have to register my business until I make X amount of dollars. You know, I've heard, I've heard everything, but like 
for some reason, $10,000 seems to stick out to people. So they'll say like, I don't have to register my business until I make $10,000, right? And I, I and I just laugh about this now, but it, it's, of course, you, we have to register our businesses. And, and of course, you probably want to register your business. Like there are so many reasons why you would want to, even if you might not be technically required yet. And we'll go over that. But let's use the bakery as an example. Could a bakery start a bakery business and not register? No, that would be terrible, right? That would be a terrible idea. And people also ask, like, I don't have to get business insurance until like X, Y, or Z happens. Or I don't have to get business insurance if I have an LLC, right? So would a bakery be able to operate without insurance? I just want you to get in the habit of like asking yourself these questions that if you want to have a legitimate business and you see this as a legitimate way of creating a business and running a business, then treat it like one, right? Treat it like the bakery. <laughs> and a bakery would never be able to get away with any of this stuff. So at the very least, of course, there are more, but like at the very least, there are six things that you have to do if you want to legally start an online business. Um, and I'm today talking to you whether you have a business already that maybe the last couple of years has now pushed you to want to take it online or if you're just looking for a way to start an online business, an online coaching, consulting, service providing business of some sort, then these are the six things that you have to do in order to create a business that operates online. Okay, so number one, the very first thing that you have to do or know about is your scope of practice and how your scope of practice changes when you're working with clients online. So for those of you who already have a business or you've already been working with people in one way, like, for example, I get contacted a lot by people who are therapists or physicians or physical therapists, people who have licenses in certain states, but then they're like, oh, I want to go start a business that allows me to work with people anywhere not under my license, right? Not necessarily under their license because they're only licensed in a specific place. So your scope of practice changes when you want to work online if you're trying to work with people anywhere and everywhere, no matter where they're located or no matter where you're located, right? So if you're licensed, if you have a license in some in some field, like some of the ones that I've just mentioned, then you can only work with people where you're licensed to work with them, right? If you're trying to operate under that license, so if you're a doctor who's trying to establish like doctor-patient relationships with people, you can only work in the states in which you're licensed, right? If you're a coach, though, or if you're trying to become a coach, right, then you just have to know what the scope of law, um, the scope of practice laws are in the different states or for your profession in general. Um, I actually have an entire episode dedicated to this topic, so you can um, click below to listen to episode two of my podcast, On Your Terms, where I go over scope of practice and how to figure out what yours is. But what is really important about creating an online business is understanding the fact that just because you're online doesn't mean you can do whatever you want um, in general. And just because you're online doesn't mean you can teach about whatever you want or talk about certain topics, offer certain services, you have to be qualified to do so, right? And that's not up to us. That's up to what states say, what courts have said, what licensing boards have said, like all kinds of things, right? So we need to know what our scope of practice is first and foremost in in deciding like what the what the breadth of our online business is going to be because that's going to define like what kind of products can I offer? What kind of services can I offer? What can I do? What topics can I teach about? How can I work with people? Where can I work with people? So there are so many important layers to this. And that's why that's one of the places that I like to start. And it's also even one of the places that I started when I was creating my legal business back in 2016. I was like, 
okay, so I'm a lawyer, but I'm, and I'm licensed to practice law, but I'm not going to be practicing law. I'm not going to practice law anymore. I'm not going to practice law in this business. So what exactly can I do? Like how, how can I offer things that aren't services? Right. And once I decided I wanted to sell templates and like guides and trainings and PDFs and things, it's like, okay, how do, how am I allowed to sell those? How, what's, a, what's available to me, right? Because then that kind of defined what kind of business I could build. So that's a really important part of taking your business online is obviously figuring out what you're even allowed to do here. So definitely listen to episode two if you want to learn more about scope of practice. Okay, the second thing that you have to do, the second legal must have, is to legally protect your website because if you're switching to more of an online model or you're now kind of like leaning more heavily into an online coaching or consulting business, then you might be selling products now on your website, right? Or you might be selling your services through your website or selling um, your own like digital downloads or courses, group programs, all kinds of things through your website. So it's really important that we look at legally protecting your website now. But you're also going to be doing other things than just selling, I hope. So on your own website, you're probably now, if you're focusing more on online work, you're going to be building an email list through your website. And then you will also be posting more content there, I hope, um, because (laughs) I hope you're not just treating your website just like an online business card with information. It really is like a library and a resource and a storefront for you to drive to, first of all, to attract, to magnetically attract traffic, um, ideal customers to your website, nurture them, and then take them to the next step. So it's why I'm so serious about like uh, SEO-driven content, evergreen content that's pulling people back to your website. And so if you're moving into the online space, you're going to be focusing a lot more on your website. So we need to make sure that your website is legally protected. So we legally protect our websites with three major website policies. So it's a privacy policy, the website disclaimer, and the terms and conditions. Those are the three policies that I recommend that you have on your website Actually, I have an entire podcast episode. Episode 10 of On Your Terms is completely dedicated to talking about how to legally protect your website. So I'm going to point you to that down below um, if you want to learn more about legally protecting your website, because I don't want to take up that we could spend this whole episode just talking about websites. But what is really important to know is that it's not just about having those three policies. And as you'll hear me talk about in that episode and just in my business in general, it's just as much about how you actually walk the walk. So we don't just say on our websites like, hey, I don't offer medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, whatever, investing advice. We then make sure that we don't actually offer that type of advice, right? We don't offer advice, period, if you're a coach. Um, You give information and you teach people, right? You're not there to give them advice because advice is personalized and can typically only come from, you know, their doctor, their lawyer, their accountant, their financial advisor, their whatever. So their therapist. So it's really important that we kind of walk the walk with what we have on our website as well. So when we are going online and we're making an online business, we want to be just as careful and just as conscious of our language otherwise known as our copy in in the business. So anything that's written on your website, anything that's written in your emails, anything that you write on social media, um, how you talk about yourself and what you do, you know, how you refer to yourself. um, A lot of times it's really important to like give that a fresh look. If you haven't already, if you've never done this, now's a good time after this episode, go back and look at your stuff and make sure that it actually matches up. Um, 
and that you're not just relying on having some sort of policy there that says, hey, I won't offer you medical advice, but then you give medical advice on your on your site, right? So it's super, super important. It's also really important to understand if you are someone who's listening, who is one of the people I was talking about earlier that has a license in some area, like you are a doctor, you are a lawyer, an accountant or whatever, and now you're trying to like not be that, right? So you're trying to like be a coach or a consultant or sell products or something else. It's really important that you don't try to have your cake and eat it too. So you can't heavily rely on the fact, like sometimes what I will see online is people being like, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor, but like buy all this stuff from me. And when you do, I'm your coach, right? So I always say, or at least the way that I teach it, this is no, take it for what it's worth, but this is just the way that I do it, is that you can't have your cake and eat it too. So we can't go around advertising and marketing so heavily that you're this thing. And then only at like the last second, try to like trick a customer almost, or like let them know at the last second, like right as they're about to hit the buy button, um, like, Hey, I'm not your, I'm not your doctor. Right. That feels a little too mm, icky for me. So from my perspective, we, make sure that we're not actually, you know, advertising it too much. You can talk about it in the sense that it's part of your experience. I mean, you hear me talk a lot about how I am, was an attorney. I mean, I am an attorney, but like I was a practicing attorney, but I typically am talking about it in the sense that like, Hey, I was a practicing attorney. I hated it. This is why I hated it. This is what I also saw wrong with the legal industry. And when I left and started my own health coaching business at first, I also realized how much information you all were missing out on and how much you didn't have access to. And I wanted to make that available to you. So I kind of use it as part of the story. Um, it is part of the story, but it's it's part of the story of understanding like why I'm qualified to talk about this stuff. But I never make it fuzzy about whether or not I'm somebody's attorney. I'm like oh, hyper, hyper clear. So with that, let's get into number three. The third legal must have when you're creating an online or virtual business is that now you have to start thinking about things like contracts. Um, and that's not just for your client relationships. If you're an online coach or consultant, of course, you have to have contracts for any coaching or any sessions that you offer, anything like that. But you also have to get used to having contracts at checkout if you're going to sell digital products, courses, group programs, things like that. So you need a contract for every way that you work with someone or for every product or program that you sell. It's kind of as easy as that. So there's not, there's not any question about it. Anything that you sell, anything I can make, anything I can pay you money for, you need a contract for that. So it's really important that you make sure you know exactly which contracts you need for every kind of service. Um, what I typically recommend is that if you're just starting out, you just like write down the various ways that somebody can work with you or some, how somebody can pay you. And then you just say, okay, where's my contract for that? Where's my contract for that? And you just make sure you have a contract for each one of those. Um, obviously I offer DIY legal templates for all the different contracts and policies that you need. You can buy them individually. You can get them inside my ultimate bundle, but you want to get a legit contract. That's actually a lawyer drafted that you can make more specific to you, not something that's super generic and that's not going to cover you anyway. I want to make sure, too, that you understand that there is a difference between contracts that people sign for you and then contracts that you put at checkout. So the preference is always to have somebody sign a contract. Whether they e-sign it or sign it in person doesn't really matter. E-signing is generally acceptable. But 
you need to, if you do e-sign it, you have to make sure it's e-sign act compliant. There's like this whole thing about e-signing. I actually have a YouTube video um, all about how to properly sign and sign contracts. So I'll make sure that I link to that below. But you want to make sure that you're actually sending and signing them properly. And that's always the preference is to have somebody sign. But it's not really practical when you're selling digital products and courses because the idea is that you should be selling these all the time. People should be able to easily you know, sign up for this theoretically when you're sleeping or on vacation and you're not going and hopefully in a in a volume in which like you're not going to be able to keep up with it. Right. So I don't want you in a situation where you have to like send out a contract every time before somebody pays. The other thing, and you would know this if you listen to episode eight, um, and also if you watch that YouTube episode I have about sending and signing contracts properly, but people need to know the terms of what they're agreeing to when they pay you. So you don't you couldn't have it set up so that you know, someone pays and then you send them a contract later, even that wouldn't work. So when it comes to things like courses and digital products, downloadable things, things that people can buy when you're sleeping, theoretically or in reality, (laughs) then we need to make sure that we have a contract at checkout. And with those, people are agreeing to it instead of signing it. So those are the kinds of things that people are, you know, checking off a box or having to like um, pick from a drop down menu. It depends what tools you use. But in general, you know, we we have to capture some sort of contract because people are still purchasing from us. Right. It's just that we're not involved in the purchase process in the same way that we would be if somebody was signing up for like one to one coaching and you could send them like an email with a link to their payment and a link to their contract. It's not the same. So I just want to make sure I mention that. And again, I'll link to episode eight of On Your Terms, where I do go over contracts like in depth, what kind of contracts you need, um, how to get client contracts and contracts for your courses. And then that YouTube episode I have as well, where I talk about how to send and sign contracts properly. So I'll make sure both of those are below. Okay, number four is business insurance for virtual services. So yes, there is business insurance for online businesses. So I get this question a lot. For some reason, people think business insurance like only applies to those bakery type businesses, but there is definitely business insurance for online businesses. If you're offering any sort of services like coaching and consulting, any sort of service provider, you typically get professional liability insurance. So that's just a type of business insurance. And what business insurance does is that they provide you with a business defense attorney if your business gets sued. Um, And then they pay that attorney's fees, um, like their hourly rate, which is huge, by the way. Um, So that's, that's really helpful. And then they also would pay for any judgment or settlement found as a result of that case if you got sued for something that was covered by your business insurance policy, right? So just like any other insurance, you have to actually be covered for the thing that you get you know, in trouble for or that or that you get accused of. But you want to make sure that you look into getting business insurance. Just don't make the mistake of thinking that you don't need it because you are an online business. And also just because you're online doesn't mean you might not want to explore other forms of business insurance. There's commercial general liability insurance. You can always look into that. Some people get that kind of business insurance if they have like a dedicated home office or they have clients come over or they teach a lot of workshops in person or something like that or teach classes. So you might want to look into commercial general liability insurance as well. There are like umbrella policies. Um, Some people in my community have also gotten uh, social media 
media insurance, because a lot of times social media activity is excluded from your general business uh, liability insurance. So it's something you want to look into and it's best left to a conversation between you and a business insurance agent. So just because your friend has a certain kind of business insurance or you saw something online or you heard me talk about something, it doesn't mean anything. You want to get connected with a business insurance agent and then you want to be able to tell them everything that you do, right? And how you do it. That's also just as important. So I'm a coach who teaches people how to work out, but I do so through Zoom classes. I do so through a group program. I do so through um, like downloadable PDFs that they can grab and videos and all these things. And I have a YouTube channel and I have a podcast and you would want to tell this person all the different ways that you work with people, how that stuff is actually delivered, like in person versus online versus classes versus whatever. And then also tell them a little bit about your marketing. So if you do have uh, like social media channels, YouTube channel, whatever, I would tell them that kind of stuff so that they can tell you like, okay, well, that part is actually not covered, but we have this other policy or you might want to look into getting another policy. That would be especially important if I were you, if you did like, if you had a YouTube channel, for example, and you did like workouts on there or guided meditations or I don't know, something that was a bit more like interactive or if you were giving tips and advice and information and education, I would definitely look into having that kind of insurance. So business insurance is a legal must have for any, any online business, any business in general, but any online business as well. Number five is all about registering your business. So yes, you have to register an online business just like any other business. Well, I should say you have to register your business if for one, you want any sort of personal liability protection in that business, but that's only if you register in a certain way, which we'll talk about, but also if you want to start capturing business expenses. So I'm always surprised when people say that they want to hold off on registering their business until they make X amount of dollars or, or because it's not profitable yet. Like people will say, oh, my business isn't profitable yet. So I want to hold off. And I'm like, but you could capture those business expenses. Even if it's a loss, it's helpful on your taxes, especially if you have another job, if you have another source of income, or you file married jointly and your spouse or partner has income, then you could reduce the taxable income if your business was currently operating at a loss. So there are benefits to registering. Of course, you can check with your own accountant about this and you would definitely definitely double check with them. Of course, you could go speak with a local to you small business attorney as well to talk about whether registration is right for you. But I just don't want you buying into some of the myths that you might hear or see online saying that you're supposed to wait until these like arbitrary benchmarks or something. I don't know. So you definitely register an online business. But the point is that you want to register it in a way that actually protects you, right? So a lot of times we're choosing between a sole proprietorship and an LLC, but an LLC is the only out of those two um, only business entity type that provides you with any sort of personal liability protection, which means that in many states, in some states, it can provide you protection as an individual LLC owner so that you are personally separated and protected in your business. So basically, if there were any sort of debts or obligations or any liabilities of the business, that they're not yours as a person, they're on the business and they would stay there. And theoretically, you as a person should kind of stay walled off and protected, right? Some states are a little finicky about single member LLCs. There are, of course, things that you can try to do. You can try to draft an operating agreement that better protects you. You can try to register your business in a different state. Like there might be different options for you, but that's something you really only want to do 
under the guidance of your own attorney and an accountant because you want to understand what the tax implications are for those decisions as well. But that might be something that you want to look into. So online businesses have to be registered, (laughs) should be registered. It's a good idea. There's just nothing. I think basically the point is like, there's nothing that says that they don't need to just because they're online. I think that's what I, that's probably what I hear most often. Okay. Our sixth and final legal must have is to get online payments the right way. So, because if you're switching to an online business, or even for those of you who are just creating a new online business, I get a lot of questions from people who are like, I just don't understand how to get the money from like point A to point B, right? I don't understand how to get the money from my client's hands into my bank account the right way. Like I want to make sure I do it legally. So we first form our businesses, right? So we form our businesses, generally speaking, in the state where we live and work. We form it as a certain business entity type. We walk through all the steps that our state requires to get our businesses registered. And then we set up a business bank account in our business's name. So typically when you register your business, you'll get some sort of certificate of formation or like every articles of incorporation, every state calls it something different. You'll get that either in the mail or by email. You'll also have your EIN letter from the IRS. You'll take those two pieces of paper or two documents at least, and you go to your local bank with a tiny bit of cash, maybe like $50 to $100 or something, and you take those uh, documents and that cash to a bank and you ask them to open a business checking account. You can also open a business savings if you want, but for, for right now, the whole point is just to get this started so you would get a business checking account. There's nothing particularly fancy or special about these accounts. It's literally just that they're called business checking accounts, If in case you're wondering. A lot of people ask that. So after we get this business bank account set up, this checking account, now you'll have like the business account number and the routing number. You'll have the information that you need to like set up your own online portal through the bank's website and all that kind of stuff. Then you want to register for a PayPal business account. It's important that it's a business account, not a personal. And also some other maybe some other portal that can accept credit cards. So I like to have, like for me in my business, I like to have PayPal and then Stripe. um, And then you can try to use those separately. This also can depend on like what kind of website you're using. I have a WordPress website, so I'm able, and I use WooCommerce for my digital products. So I'm able to like use Stripe and PayPal at checkout. That's really helpful because like not everybody has a PayPal account and everybody wants to. Um, some people really like it. Some people just want to input their credit card information and like make it really easy. Um, I also like the fact that it makes like things like Apple Pay available. So I have PayPal and Stripe. So you just want to go on both of their websites or whoever you decide to use and you want to set up these accounts as business accounts and then you want to connect them to your business checking account that you just set up. So it'll ask you when you set them up for the account information that you want to connect it to. And that's the only account that you want to connect it to. So you connect your business bank account to that PayPal and Stripe account. And then from there, you can start sending out invoices through PayPal, or you can integrate, you know, little checkout uh, forms or whatever on your website or wherever else you're going to take payment. I use SamCard for my checkout pages, but you can send those invoices out through PayPal. And then that way, when you send out your PayPal invoice to a client, they pay it. The money gets transferred to your PayPal business account. You then take the money from your PayPal business account and you transfer it into your business checking account. And that's it. It's like as simple as that. It might sound more complicated right now because you're doing all of the startup steps, but once you get up and running, 
all the money should just be flowing to one place, like to your PayPal and to your Stripe. And then that should just automatically get transferred into your business checking account. And remember, it's super important and that we keep all of this stuff separate and we keep it clean. We keep personal money, personal and business money, business, and we keep all of that separate. So I hope that this was helpful. I'm going to drop all the links to the resources that I mentioned, all of the um, On Your Terms podcast episodes on all of these different topics. But these are really the six major legal must-have startup steps to starting an online business in 2021, 2022, but beyond. Um, These are the things that we've got to do. And yes, even if you have an online business, these things are all required. So I hope that today's episode was helpful. I would love for you to subscribe and follow. Uh, Leave a comment below if you're watching this on YouTube. And thank you so much um, for watching today's and listening to today's On Your Terms episode. Thanks so much for listening to the On Your Terms podcast. Make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also check out all of our podcast episodes, show notes, links, and more at samvanderreelen.com slash podcast. You can learn more about legally protecting your business and take my free legal workshop, Five Steps to Legally Protect and Grow Your Online Business at samvanderreelen.com. And to stay connected and follow along, follow me on Instagram at samvanderreelen and send me a DM to say hi. Just remember that although I am a attorney, I am not your attorney and I am not offering you legal advice in today's episode. This episode and all of my episodes are informational and educational only. It is not a substitute for seeking out your own advice from your own lawyer. And please keep in mind that I can't offer you legal advice. I don't ever offer any legal services, but I think I offer some pretty good information.